0: And we know, Father, the love that you have for each and every one of us, Father. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you lead us today into truth. Open the eyes of our understanding that we might know what is your purpose, what is your plan, Father, that we might know the depth of your love, Father, that we might know, Father, that we're to be doers of your word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. So we thank you today, Father, for every word that is spoken for every prompting of your Spirit, Father, I thank you, Father, that eyes are open to be able to see, ears will be able to hear, hearts today will be able to understand, Father, that the truth of your Word will come through, Father, that we'll have knowledge and the wisdom to walk this out. So we give you praise for it, Father, in Jesus' name. You can be seated. Thank you, Zach. Hallelujah. We'll open your Bibles, if you would, with me this morning, again, to First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians. We talked a little bit, started a little bit last week, and want to continue there this week of what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Here in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23, a very central truth as far as the Scriptures are concerned, where Paul's bringing out, he says that the very God of peace would sanctify you wholly spirit soul and body that you be preserved blameless in the coming of our lord jesus christ now as we shared many times before and shared last week paul's bringing out here that that man man and woman you're a three-part being you are a spirit the real you is a spirit being you are a spirit you have a soul that's your mind your intellect will emotions and you live in a physical body and of course we know according to the scriptures that when we make jesus the lord of our life or we become born again or when we become a brand new creature in Christ Jesus, that our spirit is recreated into his image and his likeness. Now notice here what Paul is saying though. He's saying that he wants that the very God of peace sanctify or set apart. Notice, your spirit, your soul, and your body. Not just our spirit. Now of course, he recreates us. He makes us into his image and his likeness. He makes us a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. But we still have a responsibility regarding our body and regarding our soul. Now, I think the soul, which is the mind, intellect, will and emotions of an individual, is many, many many times almost neglected as far as the body of Christ is concerned. People get excited about the Word of God, and they hear what the Word says and, and know what the Word says. I didn't say they do it, but they know what the Word says. But then they get busy in life. And I've seen it happen so many times that someone that is really thirsty and hungry for the things of God, they take off after the things of God, get the Word in them, but they're not rooted in it too. In fact, just turn with me a minute over to uh, Colossians. Just to help us see it a little bit here. Colossians chapter 2. <coughs> Thank you, Lord. Verse 6 and 7. Now, notice something. We know that we receive Christ by hearing the good news preached, whether it was the first time or whether it was many times, but we heard the word preached. At some point, we made a decision to believe that and act on that. We heard it. We believed it. We went ahead, confessed Jesus as our Lord, and we became born again. And that's really what he's telling us in verse 6. Verse 6. He's telling us the same way that we made Jesus the Lord of our life is how we're to live our life in every aspect of our life. Notice he says, As you therefore receive Christ, the Lord, so walk in Him. So live it out. How? Hearing the Word, believing the Word, confessing the Word. That's how we walk in this life. That's how we're to walk by faith. That's how we live by faith. It's a lifestyle that we have to have. It's a lifestyle that we have to do. That means every day. Every morning you get up, every morning, hopefully you brush your teeth, every morning you put on your clothes, every morning you eat. It's just a habit. It's something you do every day. You don't even think about it. You don't even think twice about it. Am I going to brush my teeth today? Am I going to get dressed today? Am I going to go about my life today? Am I going to eat today? No, we don't even think about it. We just do it. That's how we're supposed to be with the Word of God. We're just to do it. Why? Because the Bible says so. It will sustain your life. Amen. You eat naturally to sustain your physical life. But more important to you than this physical life is your spiritual life. Right. Because it will go on into eternity. And every one of us are here for a divine purpose. We're, we're planted here now, this place, this time, specifically by God, specifically for a purpose... And it's our responsibility because of what the price the Father paid for you and I, it's our responsibility to find out what is that purpose and to live our life to the fullest doing what He's called us to do. And there's a reward for doing that. What do you think is going to happen when you leave this life? You're going to what are you going to do in heaven? Sit around and eat grapes? That's going to happen. Oh, you'll have some grapes. They'll be so big you'll probably choke on them. No, we'll have them. No, there's another life for us. He's got a plan for us. He's got a purpose for us. He's a God of order. But what we do on this earth will determine the rewards we have in heaven. Now, of course, understand something about heaven. There's no sorrow in heaven. You won't be comparing yourselves to people in heaven. There's no competition there. Some will have great uh, positions of responsibility. Others won't. But there won't be any sorrow. There won't be any measuring of that in heaven like we do here. But glory to God, I don't know about you. I want all I got. I want all that's available for me. But I'm the one that sets the course of my life. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. I'm probably older than probably everybody else. Pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah, I know. We're getting there, lady. We're getting there. But we aren't done, are we? No, we're not done. i got lots of years left yet. Amen. I, I was meeting with an individual uh, uh, sometime recently and, and going through some difficult things. Really, right? Talk to him about what I'm talking talk to you about today. But going through some things in his life, and, and, and I, I said to him, I said, uh, How old are you anyway? Forty-five? He says, No, forty. Forty years old. You're forty years old. And, of course, he's ready to give up on life because nothing's worked out and, and he's had some bad things. And, of course, he hasn't done some things right, as we all do. and Every one of us are guilty of that. I said, let's just look back a few years and let's just assume something. Let's assume that at 15 years of age, you started becoming productive in life. You know, at the young age, ye's, we're all consumers. Unfortunately, some people are consumers till they're 25 but someplace you've got to start being, becoming a responsible person. So I said, let's give you the benefit of the doubt that at 15 you became a responsible individual for your own life. Now, let's, yes, you did make a lot of mistakes. 15 to 40 is 25 years. Let's just assume, though, that according to the Scriptures, that you live to 85. Now, everybody should be able to hit that. Seriously. I mean, and with a sharp mind, and really still functioning for, for, for the kingdom of God. That means you had 25 years you've messed up. You've got 45 left. Let's get going. I mean, I thought back to my life at 40. B and I, when we were 40, we resigned our jobs. We left everything behind us and went on to Bible school. And we gave up half the stuff. The other half we gave up about two years later. But literally at 40, 42 years old, we laid it all down. And it's the smartest thing I ever did. I mean, I've never regretted it once. And I look back now and I'm thinking, man, i got 25 good ones left yet. I'm just getting started now. now I've got some knowledge. I didn't have that back then. But see, you and I are going to have to decide what are we going to do. Look what he says in that next verse. He says, rooted. Oh, I like that. Rooted. That means whenever the storms of life come at you, if you're rooted, you're just going to bend with it, but you aren't going to blow over. You're just going to blow with the wind, but guess what? You're going to come right back standing up straight. Rooted, now notice, and built up, what? In Him, in the Word. But see, you're not going to get that Word rooted in your heart without it going through your mind. And your mind is where the decision processes are made. That's why, again, Proverbs chapter 3 is one of my favorite scriptures. When, When the writer of Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Or we could say, trust in the Word with all thine heart. Lean not to your own understanding. And it doesn't stop there. How do you lean not to your own understanding? In all your ways, acknowledge Him. Acknowledging, part of acknowledging something is voicing it. Giving voice to it. Your words frame your world. Your words are what sets the landmarks of your life. Your words spoken. How's faith come? By hearing. But when you speak it, you not only hear it with the outer ear, you hear it with the inner ear. When you speak it, your outer ear hears it, your mind grabs a hold of that, but when you speak it, your inner ear hears it, and that drops down into your heart. Notice, lean not to your own understanding. All you always acknowledge Him. Notice, when you acknowledge Him, then He comes into play. See, I've done everything first because of Him, not because of me, but... I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I lean not to my own understanding. I acknowledge Him in everything. Guess what? Then He will direct my path. But I want to get rooted and built up and grounded in Him. The Amplified says here, Have roots of your being firmly, deeply planted in Him, fixed and founded in Him. Now notice, being continually built up. Sounds like me then. It's it's a process that I do on a consistent basis. Just like getting up in the morning, just like brushing my teeth, just like putting my clothes on, just like eating. It becomes a daily thing that I do. See, I don't get up in the morning or lay there in the morning or right before I go to bed at night, lay there thinking, oh, man, I've got to get up in the morning again. I've got to brush my teeth again. I've got to put my clothes on again. I don't want to do that. No, I don't think about it. Oh, I know there's been days the thought crossed my mind. I'd just like to pull that shit up over my head. But you know how long that lasts. No, you don't think about it. You do it. We can get to the place we don't think about this. We just do it for our well-being. It says over in Acts chapter 17, it says it's in Him that you live that you move, that you have your being. It's in Him I do this. See, He gives me the power. He gives me the ability. He gives me the wisdom. He, I don't have to do this alone. I've got to take the step of faith. He provides the grace. I take the next step of faith. He provides the power. I take the next step. He provides the wisdom. It's in Him that I live and move and have my being. He tells me where to go. We're created in the image and the likeness of Jesus. Jesus himself said, I don't do anything on my own. I don't say anything of my own. I only say and do the things that my Father commands me or tells me to say and to do. We can get there. That is a place we can get to. He's our elder brother. We're created in his image and his likeness. We have the same things available. We have more available to us than he did. Do you realize that? He didn't have the books. Probably good, he didn't. He didn't have the tapes. He didn't have the teachings. He didn't have the full counsel of God's Word written before him. Oh, he had the full counsel of God's Word available to him. But he stripped himself of all power and authority. He took on him, the person of the Holy Spirit, the same as you and I are to do. The same Holy Spirit that taught him is in us. But see... For some reason, we have this thinking capacity. I'm not worthy. I'm not qualified. Who said? It. It's all a lie. It's not based on intellect. Let's let, look at a scripture here. Go to um, Romans chapter 8, verse 4. Let me show you something. Romans chapter 8, verse 4. King James says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Listen to this out of the Phillips translation. Therefore, we are able to meet the law's requirements, for we are living no longer by the dictates of the sinful nature, now listen, but in obedience to the promptings of the Spirit. See, we're to live out of our spirit. We're to live and walk in this life according to the promptings of the Holy Ghost in us. Not according to our mind. Listen to some of these statements. According to this verse here, the Scripture says that the flesh is the old sinful nature. That old sinful nature, this personality or nature that became lodged in Adam when he sinned in the garden. And now listen, all mankind, all mankind, because of Adam, are subject to this at birth. That's why it's important that we get born again. Satan's nature, our old sinful nature, is always focused on self. Always focused on self. It's the me, myself, and I syndrome. And every one of us come into this world with this evil, selfish, sinful nature. Even though we become brand new creatures when we get born again, we still are going to be battling with this old nature. That's why it is so important that we get our minds renewed to the Word of God. Romans 8, 7 or 7.15. Romans 7.15 says, For that which I do I allow not, for what I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that I do. Now the message really kind of says it much clearer. What I don't understand about myself is I decide one way, but then I act another. Doing things I absolutely despise. Now, how many of you have done that? Every one of us had. Bless God, I'm not going to do that no more. No more am I going to do that. I mean, I don't get the day out and I've done it. It's that old sinful nature that's on the inside. Well, look what Romans Romans 6.16 says. Do you know that if you continue Romans 6:16 6, Do you know that if you continually surrender yourselves to anyone to do his will you are the slaves of him who you obey whether that be to sin which leads to death or to obedience which leads to righteousness so whoever you're going to surrender yourself to, or whatever you're going to surrender yourself to is what you're going to obey. Now notice, whoever or whatever you surrender yourself to. See, it has nothing to do with what has taken place in your past. Now I'm not saying everything that has taken place in your path or my path was of God. God will take everything that has taken place in our past and, heal, and past and heal. He'll use it to our good. But when you're a child, um, you don't know, uh, not necessarily, uh, at least my parents, my parents weren't born again when I was a child. They, weren't, they, they didn't live by the Word. They, they, were, they were good people. They tried to do good, but they didn't know God. They didn't walk by the Word of God. I mean, the places that they raised me, the places that they took me, I had no control over. I went with them. And if they weren't following God, then, then He couldn't lead me. I didn't have control over that. But today I do have control. Now, my mother, she's gone, praise God, she's gone home to be with the Lord, and my father will probably be going there yet this year. But, you know, whatever took place in my life by my parents, whether that was 20 years ago or 50 years ago, that doesn't control me today. You know, there's people that whose parents are dead and gone, and their parents are still controlling them today. Why? Why would you allow that to happen? You can change that. Every one of us can change this. See, the power is in the gospel. The power of God is in the gospel. In that word is all the power you and I need. You know, 1 Peter tells us that the Word of God is an incorruptible seed. Do you know in seed, in every good seed, there's life and there's power? And the Word of God is an incorruptible seed. That means it's the best. So that means in every seed of God's Word is life and power. But do you know that that seed cannot produce on its own? It's got to be planted And it's got to be watered. And if you and I will take that seed of the Word of God, if we'll plant that seed of the Word of God in our hearts, and if we'll water that seed... Now, understand something. Seeds take time. Some seeds grow real quickly. Some seeds take a lot longer than others. I mean, a corn seed might take six months from the time it's planted. Other seeds take years. But guess what? It's an incorruptible seed, and it will produce. And it'll produce a bountiful harvest. But am I going to kill the seed? Am I going to allow the seed to dry up after I've planted it because I I don't water it? You know, I might water it and water it and water it and water it maybe for, for five years. And something takes place in my life. Distractions come. And I turn around and I begin to walk away from the Word. I mean, it's sad. The the, the amount of people that, even for the short time that I've been on staff here, that I've seen people's lives changed by the Word of God. I'll never forget, years ago, Excuse me, a young man, uh, we were living in the state of Iowa. I wasn't on staff at the church, but I was a volunteer in a a, a senior capacity in a volunteering position. And... and, uh, was overseeing the prayer partner and doing some Bible studies and helping the pastor, teaching in some areas. And a young man came to me and they were having financial issues and so forth. So took him the word of God, showed him what the word of God said, agreed with him, got the word, began to get the word of God to begin to work in his life. I mean, they were they were under the barrel. I'm telling you, they were under it. But over several, three, four years, man, they started rising up. They got a hold of the word of God. They began putting that word of God into practice. And God began blessing them. Man, my, probably it was three and a half, four years they were blessed tithing to the church. And one day they were gone. And uh, time passed. Where are they? We haven't seen them. Run across to him in, on the street in town. And we'd talk to him and say, uh, you know, hey, we've been missing you. Are, are you going to some other church? No, nah, you know, God, I'm so busy. Life is so busy. You know, God's blessed us so much. I, I'm just so busy. One day I said to him, I said, uh, how come you're so busy? Well God you know God's blessed us and I said, Yeah, you just said it. God blessed you. That's why you're busy. You want to keep it? Sad to say he almost lost all of it. I mean, we were there for four more years before B and I ended up going to Bible school and left and, and, and his his marriage, his family was a wreck when we left. That isn't why God blessed him. God blessed him so he could be a blessing. But see, he made some choices. They weren't good. He didn't, water, didn't continue to water his seed. See, too many people, they, they, they go after, I mean, they have a need. And praise God that they come to us when they have a need. Praise God they come to him when they have a need. But they come and they get the need fulfilled. Now we're okay. Huh? Well, see you later. That's not what it's about. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, um, that if, uh, if you cast off the devil, if he comes back, it'll be seven times worse than what it was before. I'd take heed to that. I didn't say you wouldn't get rid of him. But who wants to go through that? You know, there's a scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians, I think. Yeah, 1 Corinthians 13. I looked at this the other day. I thought this was interesting. Now, the setting. Uh, 14. I'm sorry. 1 Corinthians 14. Now, the setting here, so you won't think I'm taking this out of context. A, the Scripture brings across a principle, even though this ne- not, is not necessarily the setting. The setting here is, Paul's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. And he's talking about if one person operates from the gifts, and somebody else operates in the gifts, and so forth. So he's talking about the use of spiritual gifts. But in verse 33, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 33. Now, this is out of the King James. Notice what God says here, for it says in the Word, Paul says... For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. Now, in the King James translation, the words, the author of, are italicized. Meaning it wasn't in the original Greek, and the writers put it in there to help us understand it. Not that it really hurt any, but let's just take those words out and see what it really says if those little words aren't in there. It reads this way. For God is not of confusion... Not only is he not the author of it, he's just, not, he's just not of confusion. Look at what the rest of it says then. But of peace. So, in your walk, if you get into a place of confusion, immediately you should know something. Well, oh, that's, not, that's not of God. I better go find out what God says then. And that's what we don't do. What happens when confusion comes? Nine out of ten of us begin to lean to our own understanding. Some, unfortunately, run to the Internet. I wonder what the Internet has to say. You know, some of you were here, I think, on, on uh, the morning services when Doug Jones was here on the impartation conference. I think it was on day three. If you remember, he was talking about uh, Kenneth E. Hagan, uh, who, who, who went home to be with the Lord uh, in 2003. But in, in his days, in his early days, he pastored for 12 years. And those 12 years that he pastored, he didn't have any sick in his church. He had a few little ladies that uh, that were trained up in the things of God that would pray for people. And when someone had an issue or had a need, they'd go pray with them and they'd stay till they got the answer. They were tenacious. They didn't quit. And Doug Jones says that, that years later, I, I believe it was at a camp meeting that Kenneth E. Hagan was having, and Doug was on staff now for Rhema for, uh, Bible Training Center, and and one of these little ladies happened to be at that meeting, and he says he wanted to talk to her because he wanted to find out from her what was different back then with prayers than what is today. Why did they have such results? You know, we quit. We don't get the answers and we give up. Or we say amen and we say we're going to continue to stand in faith. But we don't see it through to the end. And she said to, to Doug, something to this effect, you need to get the tape and listen to exactly how you worded it, but the, the context is the same. Something to the effect, he says, well, the difference between us back then and you today, we found out what God had to say. And by the time we got ready to go pray, God was so big, the problem was so small. And the problem with people today, when an issue comes up, you research the problem. And when it comes time to pray, the problem is so big, and God is so small. You know, there's a truth to that. I mean, I'll talk to people that are having issues, and I'll be honest, I've done it myself. So I'm guilty. That I might have something that's going on in our family, or something we're dealing with, or whatever. We research it on the Internet. We use the excuse, well, I have to find out about it, so I know how to stand in faith. What about before you had the Internet, And all you had was symptoms, and you didn't know nothing about it. You know what you did then? You went here, found the Word, stood on the Word, and got your manifestation. But now we spend 15 hours on the Internet trying to find out about the problem in five minutes and grab a Scripture and run with it. You know why it's not working? Proverbs says that you have to find the scripture. You have to find the word, not read it, not open. Finding is not opening the Bible. Oh, this one looks good. Now that's not finding the word. That's not finding the word for you that you need. You need the anointed word. The anointed word. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. But it all comes down to you and I getting our minds renewed to what this word says, and keeping our minds renewed. Now I'm talking to the choir. You guys are here almost every week, but don't be deceived, because there is an enemy out there, and if he's going to trip somebody up. You know, he'll gain a lot more power, a lot more footing, if he can trip you up. Those of us that are grounded in the Word, know the Word. He can trip us up, man. He can wipe. Up. If he can trip up Pastor John and Michelle. He can wipe out a whole church. That's why you need to pray for those that are in authority. I mean, you all know, you've all seen it on the news or in the internet or whatever, uh, of, of great men, great women of God over the years that have slipped up, that have missed it. Years ago, Jimmy Swagger, for those of you that knew him, still pastoring today, running a church of about 250 people, was having ministry for where there was thousands of people coming. What happened? God still loves him. But because he fell, he lost all influence. It wasn't, that shouldn't have ha- I'm not being critical. That shouldn't have happened. And it wasn't the devil that did it. He did it. Let's not give the devil credit. We do it to ourselves. There's only one person in charge here. Me. Only one person in charge there. You and you and you and you and you and you. And you. It's all up to you and me. We're the ones that got going It's, kind of, it's kind of hard, doesn't it? Well, it just as well be. That's just how it is. Understand something. Fleshly behaviors are first of all thoughts. You're grounded in the word. I, you, you take a man like Jimmy Swarter. I mean, the man has done awesome things as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. But some place, sometime, he had a thought. And he had a choice. He could have done second Corinthians ten and cast down that thought, that image, that imagination, and took it captive? Or he could have thought on it. He chose to think on it. And what happens. If you sow to the flesh... Uh, the mind of the flesh is a way of thinking that eventually produces death. If you sow to your fleshly carnal nature, you're going to reap destruction. If you sow to the spiritual nature, you're going to reap life and peace. Always think of that. If I sow, sow to my carnal nature... I mean, there's destruction coming. But if I sew over here, see, I can get out of bed on the left-hand side or the right-hand side. Now, I'll just get off on the left. That's my side of the bed. It's the only side I can sleep on. Of course, you know that, right? Now, every morning, I'm going to get up, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to get out of bed, I'm going to brush my teeth, I'm going to get dressed, I'm going to eat, or whatever order you may use. Every day you're going to make a decision. Am I going to think on natural, carnal, fleshly things? Which ultimately, now notice, ultimately will produce death. That's what we have to get a hold of. The first time you start thinking on this, the first time you start doing that, the first time something begins to happen, it doesn't produce death the first time. In fact, you probably, your flesh, enjoys it. And sometimes even you have this thought, you know, I, I deserve it. I mean, i sacrificed for how long? I deserve this. Guess what? You don't deserve nothing but to go to hell. Oh, that was hard, Pastor Craig. Or I can make a decision and say, no, I'm, I'm going to sow to the Spirit. I'm going to read a chapter in the Bible today or several verses. I'm going to pray in the Holy Ghost today. I'm just going to worship Him a little bit today. What am I doing now? Now I'm sowing to the Spirit, and what am I going to have? Well, one thing I'm going to have today, I'm going to have peace, And I'm going to have life. You know what life that is now, don't you? That's called zoe. That's the God kind of life that I'm going to enjoy. And every day I'm going to do that, and every day I'm going to build on that. Look at what 3 John 2 says. You know, we looked last week at, at Romans chapter 12, verse 2, talking about renewing our mind. 3 John 2, John says pretty much the same thing. John brings out here, he says, Beloved, I pray that in all respects that you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. Notice what he says. I pray, I pray that in all respects you may prosper. Again, look look who's the one in charge here. You, that you may prosper. Notice, that you may prosper. He's talking about financial prosperity. That you may prosper and what? And be in good health. So, prosperity whether that's financial, whether that's relationships, whatever area of prosperity that is, and being in good health, which all of us need, if we're going to finish our course, we want to be in good health, need to be in good health. I mean, if for no other reason, you know why you need to be in good health? Because Jesus took stripes upon His back so you and I could be in good health. If for no other reason, that's it right there. Because He paid a price so that I could be in health. He paid a price so I wouldn't have to go to hell. That's a good enough reason right there, because I love him. But notice, it all happens, though, to the degree that your soul prospers, which is your mind, intellect, will, and emotions. So the soul is going to have to prosper. Now listen, your thinking controls your life. Remember, we can think on things of the flesh, which brings death, or things of the spirit, which brings life and peace. Your thinking controls your life. What I think decides what I believe. What I believe decides my behavior. My behavior determines what I receive, and what I receive determines how I'm going to live. So notice the process that's involved in this. These things just don't happen. They're a process. They build upon themselves. And again, it's like planting that seed. It takes a while. You plant it. You water it. The Scriptures Mark tells us. First it's the blade. Then it's the ear. Then it's the full corn in the ear. He doesn't stop. Then it's harvest time. But the harvest comes. Let me read that again. Your thinking controls your life. What I think decides what determines what I believe. What I believe will determine my behavior how you see me act is a reflection on what I've been thinking about and what I'm believing. Sad to say. When I act like an idiot, and I didn't, now and then. That's that old sinful nature, whether I like it or not. Yeah, but Craig, you're a brand new person in Christ Jesus. I sure am. But I have a will of what I'm going to give my thought process to, is it going to be fleshly things, which is death and destruction, or is it going to be spiritual things, which is life and peace? So, what I believe determines my behavior. Then my behavior determines what, what I'm going to receive. I walk in love, I'm going to receive some things. But I walk being selfish, Angry toward others, I'm also going to receive some things. Some things I really don't want. And then what I receive determines how I'm going to live. So with our thoughts, you and I both, we choose whether it's spirit or whether it's flesh. And I know what you want or you wouldn't be here. You want the things of the spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible out of the Amplified, Ephesians 2.10. Oh, if every one of us, me included, could get a hold of what this scripture really says and get this down in our heart. I mean, this is everything for us in this scripture. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's own handiwork. We're his workmanship. You know what he's telling me here? Love yourself. Love me. I need to love myself. I'm His workmanship. I'm His handiwork. Oh, maybe I've gotten a little bigger than I need to be. I can do something about that. Yeah, I really can. If I set my will to it, and I trust He's given me a helper. See, the Holy Ghost wants to help you in every area of your life. Not just spiritual things. He wants to help you at your job. He wants to help you with your family. He wants to help you with your spouse. He wants to help you as far as your physical body is concerned. He wants to help you in every area of your life. Remember, we read that one scripture where it says that we, we live this life not according to the flesh, but we live this life according to the promptings of the Spirit. See, that's how He helps us. He speaks to us down here, and it's not words. He prompts us to do things. See, what He does... The the Romans tells us that His Spirit bears witness with our spirit. So the Holy Spirit communicates, prompts, bears witness to our spirit, and then our spirit enlightens our mind in what we are to do. People say, well, I never hear His voice, or I don't understand those promptings. It always sounds like me. It's going to sound like you. It's your spirit. Because His spirit bears witness or prompts our spirit, and then I pick up on it. Now, the more I'm in this word, The more I'm communicating with him, the more I know how he thinks, how he acts, how he talks, how he responds to things. The more I'm going to recognize those promptings. And the scriptures tell us it's a still, small voice. I like to put it this way. It's subtle. So subtle, you can miss it just like that. And he doesn't want you to miss it. He wants you to become very sharp, not having a dull mind. He wants you to be quick and pick that up, quick to obey those promptings. And I'll tell you, you can learn that and you can develop that. And the more you develop them, the more you quickly obey those promptings, the more sensitive you become to them. Now, some of you, if you were here, not so much this year. He did it a couple of times. Last year, he did it a lot more. When you're listening to Doug Jones, every so often when he's teaching and he's talking, he says, yeah, I'll do that. He's like he's talking to somebody. when well, he's teaching, and he is. The Holy Ghost is talking to him. And he's just communicating out loud back to him. But see, he's developed a relationship there. The Holy Spirit's a person. He's for you. He wants to help you. Let's go on here. For we are God's own handiwork, his uh, workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus. Now notice, born anew. That starts when you got born again. Whether that was 40 years ago, 50 years ago, or two days ago. Born anew, now notice, that we may do those good works which God predestined and planned beforehand. Once you're born again, He's going to begin showing you what He already has planned for you to do. He's been waiting on you to get born again so you can get at the job that you're here to do. He pre-planned it for you. He predestinated it for you. I mean, it's all mapped out. People say, I've got to find myself. No! You've got to find Him. Connect yourself with Him. What? He'll, the Holy Ghost, will lead you. Where? His plan that He has for you. This is what it says here. God predestined, or planned for us. Notice, taking paths He prepared ahead of time. A path. Here's a path out of this room, but it starts here. I don't know where the path is out there, way out there. I don't know, but I start here. Start where you are today and start following the path. Best example, this is a bad time because we're having a full moon right now, but you can tell they have a full moon, all the devils are out. They're all defeated, though. When the full moon's gone and it is pitch dark outside... Get your little flashlight and go out and go for a walk. And you really want to make it fun. Go walk someplace you normally don't walk. So you don't know where the path is. Then what you're going to do is have that little light in front of you. Every time you take a step, guess what? The light's always in front of you. You can see, no matter where you go, you can walk for 100 yards, you can walk for 100 miles. The battery doesn't blow out, turn out. But anyway... That light is in front of you wherever you go. You're just going to follow that light. That's what he's talking about here. We're going to follow his light. Walking in the light. Oh, glory to God. Walking in the light. So what he's talking about. Walking in the light. Notice, let's go on. We've got to wrap it up here. I've got another meeting in a few minutes. Taking paths he prepared ahead of time. Now listen to this. Look what happens when you get on the path. It doesn't say when you complete the journey. It's my Bible doesn't say that. When I get on the path, look what happens. Living the good life. You can make a decision right now. You can go to the Scriptures and you can see. You can look at, at, at Acts 17, 26, 27, and 28. Write it down. We're not going to go there. Acts 17, verse 26, 27, and 28, shows you right there that he has predestined you a habitation, a place for you to live. He wants you here this year, this place, now. Then you can go to this scripture here, and you can see from those two scriptures that he has a plan for you and a purpose for you today in this life. You can make a quality decision today. Father, I know you have a plan for me. I know you have a purpose for me. I know there's a path, and I choose today to get on the path right now. You make that decision of your will. He says over in Job, I think it's 23, if you decide and decree, that's words, you decide, make a decision, you have a will, you decide and you decree a thing, guess what? It shall be established and, not just that, light. Like will shine upon your ways. Oh, glory to God, there's that light again, walking in the light. Remember that song, Keith more sang? I ain't going to try to it. You wouldn't want to hear it. Oh, I, the Father loves to hear me sing. He thinks I have a beautiful voice. You just may not agree with him. But you know what? I really don't care what you think. Now we're not done. Notice, when you, are, when you get on the path, you can make that decision today that you should walk in them, living the good life. Now, notice something else. He prearranged. He prearranged for you and me to live a good life. It was His intent all along. A good life is walking in health. A good life is having a good marriage. A good life is, is, is my family. Everybody's together and good and things are happening. great. A good life is all my needs are met. That means no debt. Second Corinthians tells us, not only do I not have debt, but I have enough for every good work and charitable donation, Immediately when you decide and decree this, it'll be established. Immediately when you're on the path, it's right there, step one on the path, guess what? Life, good life, begins to start. You're going to have to walk it out, though. Steps of obedience. If you be willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. Willing and obedient. Willing and obedient. Willing and obedient. This is healing service. Walking in the light brings healing. Following his path, you don't have to have hands laid on you. Not that that's wrong. You got the Word. You got the power of God's in the Word. You got the Holy Ghost. He'll lead you right into all truth. He'll take you on. He's got the pathway to healing. He's got the pathway to prosperity. He's got the pathway to the relationships. He's got the pathway to complete fulfillment in our lives. And all I have to do is take a step, decide, decree, get on that path, and I'm in the light. Once I'm in the light, oh, just good comes to me. And start acknowledging it. I thank you, Father, I'm in the light, so healing power is working in my body right now in the name of Jesus. You acknowledge that. You say every time you quote the Word of God, you're renewing your mind to what the Word says. Every time you speak what the Word of God says, you're watering that incorruptible seed. If it's healing, you're watering that incorruptible seed. And what begins to happen? That seed begins to take root. First, it's going to go down. You may not see anything. You may not feel anything. Because those roots are going deep. But that of roots will go deep, and then all of a sudden, you'll start seeing. That, that will begin to grow. The pains will begin to subside. But healing isn't based on the pain. Healing is based on the Word. So whether the pain's there or not there has nothing to do with the healing. Because you know what? I'm already healed. But I'm walking in the light. And as I'm walking, I'm more concerned about fulfilling His plan and His purpose in my life than I am about the things that affect me. Because the Bible tells me that if I'll seek first His kingdom, His way of doing and being right in Matthew 6, 33, all these things... All these natural things, they'll be they'll be added. I mean, I'm walking in light. Here, this comes. I'm walking in the light. Oh, this comes. I'm walking in light. Oh, this comes. Over. Oh, I'm walking. Walk. Guess what? Man, I've got a lot of goods here. In fact, here, you have some. I'm walking in light. Here, you have some. Guess what happens then? More comes back because the Word produces after itself. Ah, you can do this. You can do it today. Walking in the light. Father, we just thank you for your word, Father. I thank you for your spirit, Father. I thank you, Father, that you have a plan and a purpose for every one of us here. You predestined a plan and a purpose for us, Father. And I pray right now, Father, right now, every individual in their heart, Father, that today, Father, they decide and that they decree today sometime with their mouth, Father, that they're going to walk in your path. They're going to walk according to your plan, Father God. And, Father, every one of them, every individual in this room, every individual at the sound of my voice, Father, they qualify for this if they're in the kingdom. It has nothing to do with their past, has nothing to do with their upbringing, has nothing to do with their scholastic knowledge or training, has nothing to do with anything but you, your Word, and your Spirit. Thank you. And, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you'll help them, that you will lead them, you will guide them, you will direct them, Father. Every day, day in, day out, the walking in the light, Father. And, Father, when they get off the path, twist their ankle, whatever it may be, they're quick to repent, Father. Get right back on your path, Father. And I thank you from this moment forward. Healing power is working in their body, Father. Blessings are coming to them, Father, in every realm. And, Father, we'll give you the praise for it because you are so worthy. And We will not lean to our own understanding. In all of our ways, we acknowledge you And you do direct our paths in Jesus' name. Glory to God. God bless you. I'm sorry I have to run. I've got another meeting.